0: Oh, well, Chris and Steve, thanks for talking to me today on The Interpreter. Uh, I've got in front of me here a copy of The Mandarin Code, which I enjoyed thoroughly. It's the sequel to The, the Marmalade Files. Just tell us quickly about, about the two books and, and how the second one follows on from the first.
1: Thanks, Sam. Yeah, The Ma- Mandarin Code is a, a sequel to The Marmalade Files, which was published about two years ago. And, in fact, The Mandarin Code is the second uh, in a trilogy trilogy. Um we will come up with a, uh, another book um, in uh, sometime down the track. So The Mandarin Code is uh, similar to Marmalade Files. It's a, it's a, it's a political thriller, um, a satirical thriller you might call it. It's uh, very much anchored in Canberra. But it also draws in particularly uh, the, the uh, interplay, if you like, between uh, China, America, and Australia so we, we really tried to explore with the Mandarin code this this you know, critical question facing Australia of that, that, that challenge of how it confronts or how it, how it deals with the challenge of America and China as, as they jostle for uh, global supremacy so we wanted to anchor it in Canberra we wanted to be a fast-paced thriller we wanted it to be entertaining but we also wanted to really draw in some of the, uh, I guess, you know, real-life scenarios that are, that are playing out in this sort of big geopolitical battle that's taking place between uh, America and China that draws in uh, key allies uh, like Japan. And that uh, we're seeing, that we've seen over the past 12, 24 months,
0: really, really start to uh, uh, you know, sort of percolate and, and come to the surface. Well, you've definitely succeeded there. And I, I want to ask you a bit more about the China-America angle in a moment, but... It occurs to me that uh, it's not the Canberra-based political thriller is not a vast genre, is it? Was there something in particular that inspired you guys? Are there are there other n- novels in this uh, genre that you look to? No,
2: Not really. We actually thought that there was a space in the market, if you like, for something like this. People have written about politics before, particularly books about Victorian state politics, New South Wales state politics, but we genuinely wanted to explore the world of Canberra, which we think is a whole lot more interesting than most people in Australia might imagine. And, you know, there are a lot of books out about above all, something that was fun, but something that also had a little bit of an edge to it that was close to the bone, a landscape that people could could easily see the relationships with and also to, to, to take on, in some
1: small way, some of the larger questions. Yeah, and just further to that, Sam, I mean, Australia basically has imported political drama. You know, we're all great fans of State of Play and House of Cards and West Wing and the satire-like uh, think of it out of britain but we've never really done it in australia and uh, we've had we've had a bit of a go with uh things like the hollow men and and utopia and some of those uh, wonderful um uh comedy dramas if you like but we actually wanted to establish a, a political drama um uh, genre in australia we wanted to do it um with, with with books so this is our second book but we were also hoping that we might might develop it as far as film or, or television is concerned and so
0: we're really, really, really pleased that the the two books are being developed into a a six part miniseries. Ah, so the so the miniseries, and there has been a little bit of media announcing that this was going to happen. Does the miniseries will be based on two books or on the trilogy? No, it'll be
2: based on two books right. so far. It's Matchbox Pictures which has, has picked up the option on those two books. And they will be shooting hopefully in the middle of next year and it will go to air on Foxtel and obviously sometime after that. So probably I would imagine now sometime in 2016 or at the very earliest, late 2015. But we've been working with Matchbox for some time now. We gave them the first book, they wanted a little bit more. We gave them the synopsis of the second and now we've
0: been working as consultant on those six scripts. So it'll be a six-part miniseries. And I think people who've read the books would, and who know about this miniseries will be imagining who might inhabit these various characters you've created. Can you tell us anything about the casting? Um, <laughs> we wish we had more to do with it. <laughs> yeah, casting's probably a little way down the,
1: down the track. But what they're doing at present with the miniseries is they've got some of, uh, sorry, some of Australia's leading scriptwriters um, who are working... Uh, on developing this six-part miniseries. It's six hours of TV, which is a lot of TV. And, of course, it's got to be adapted for, uh, for, the, for the screen. So um, there's a hell of a lot of work that goes into that. In terms of who might play some of the leading characters, look, that's um, you know, yet to be decided, but uh, this is going to be a big-budget uh, series. Uh, the budget is, is somewhere north of $8 million. Uh, it's got the support of Screen Australia and Screen ACT, and so they'll be looking for a high-quality cast. But that is, you know, sometime down the track.
0: Well, it's very exciting. Let's talk about the China part of the plot. Um, actually, without getting into the specifics of the plot, I, I want to ask you to draw on your experience in Canberra as journalists in Canberra. What what sense you have of the way China is viewed among political leaders? Do particularly, you you talked just previously, Chris, about you know what's what's gone on in the last twelve to twenty four months? Do our leaders worry privately about China's assertiveness much more than they can say publicly?
2: they do worry about it privately but publicly as you would well know sam is that if you ask anyone in the labor party or in the liberal party anyone in the coalition about what their view of china is they will always come out with a standard line and that is that there is no reason for australia to make a choice between its military alliance with the united states and its economic relationship with China, and that's really a party line that crosses both parties now. But privately, they do worry about what's been going on in China, particularly in the recent past where they see a more assertive China. Uh, concerned about what happened in the Senkaku Islands, and that we saw a public dressing down of our foreign minister by the Chinese foreign minister in Beijing when she dared to raise the problems in the East China Sea. So we know that the Chinese take it very seriously whenever Australia dares to speak up. It was
1: unusual for Julie Bishop to say anything public. Uh, the response was quite extraordinary in terms of that dressing down. So that gives you
2: perhaps a bit of an insight into what's going on
1: behind the scenes. Yeah. And there is a recognition that challenge, that, 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 um, that, that challenge or that, uh, that new dynamic we have with China as our largest trading partner with America as our most important strategic and, and military ally, that is a, a really tough challenge. I mean, people uh, recognise that. You talk to people at the highest level within this government, they recognise that that um, challenge of Japan and China that have been quite aggressive towards each other, particularly over the Sinkaku. That poses a real challenge for Australia, but but let's bring it back to Canberra. I mean, um, it, we have seen in the last several years. I mean, it's been publicly reported that um, uh, the Chinese government, in one form or another, uh, hacked into the parliamentary emails. And when Julie Gillard was prime minister, uh, allegedly hacked into her email. So I mean, that's been happening in, over the last several years in, in in Canberra, and that must that must have some influence on thinking towards Canberra. And at the same time, we've seen the uh, the building, the construction of uh, a brand new uh, Chinese embassy, uh, essentially an annex to the existing Chinese embassy, which, of course, was bugged by the Australians and the Americans back in the 80s when it was built. But we've seen a new embassy uh, emerge. It's now operating uh, a couple of hundred metres from the uh, the old Chinese embassy, if you like. Uh, and that building was, was extraordinary. It was... It was surrounded by uh, razor wire, a six-seven foot colour bond fence. It had CCTV cameras on every corner, and it was off limits to uh, to the Australian uh, to the Australian unions. It was off limits to the ACT building inspector. Uh, China shipped in their own labour from uh, from Beijing or from parts of China to build it. Why? Because they wanted to ensure that it would not be bugged by the Australians or the Americans or the Brits or anyone else. So. Uh, it was quite an extraordinary sort of development as it as it took place uh, over the last couple of years. It gave us great material from which to then construct a fictitious um, uh, literary plot, and that's what we've done with the Mandarinka.
0: So, Steve, that uh, takes me to the other subject I wanted to ask you about, the other strong theme of the book, which is the Australian intelligence world. I wondered, again, drawing on your experience in Canberra and the Press Gallery, what, what's the, what do our politicians make of the intelligence agencies? What's the relationship like um, between, uh, between governments and the intelligence world? Well, I think right at the minute, uh, given everything that's going on with,
1: uh, with the Middle East, etc., they're relying on them very, very heavily. We've seen mm. that, obviously, in, in recent days. But, look, I think generally um, speaking, as somebody who's uh, you know, lived uh, and, and worked in camp for the last 25 years, I love about it is that you can go and watch uh, your kids play soccer on a Saturday morning, and you know you're standing on the sidelines, and uh, next door is somebody who's a, you know, a deputy director general of ASIO or the you know number three in uh, in DSD or one of the other um, intelligence operations. That's a great thing about Canberra. We were signing books recently, and uh, the chief of army. Um, happened to uh, walk by and be uh, engaged uh, uh, in a conversation with him. That's the great thing about Canberra, that uh, everybody seems to know each other. And, and of course, you've got, what, 50, 60, 70 uh, foreign embassies, all of whom have have, uh, spies um, either declared or non-declared. So it's it's a great, it's, it's a rich tapestry, if you like, from which to draw and to write about, as you say, fictitious... Um, you know, spies and, and putting them, weaving them in and out of our uh, our narrative and trying to make uh, an exciting sort of political thriller that really delves into that relationship between the politicians, between the uh, defence establishment, between the intelligence establishment, between journalists and, and other public servants and, and try to sort of um, write about that in a, in a way that I guess does give the reader some insights into how that uh, those relationships really work.
0: Well, Steve, Chris, thanks for your time today congratulations on the book and wish you every success for the miniseries thanks Sam cheers
1: Sam thanks